Hey, what's up, everybody? We are back again, the Corked Up Podcast, episode 16. I am your host, Frank. Join with me here uh, with my, my co-host, Jack Savio. You can find us uh, at Frankie G Lyrical on Twitter. You can find Jack at Jack underscore Savio 5. You can follow our umbrella uh, handle at 22 pods. You can subscribe to us at all places under them as well. Uh, other great podcasts are hosted under the 22 cents pods, uh, umbrella. And you can also follow our uh, main Twitter on Twitter at corked up podcast. Um, Jack, before we get into what we're going to be talking about, how are you feeling? Oh, Frankie, I'm living the dream, man. We got a little taste of football last week with that hall of fame game. Uh, I watched absolutely zero seconds of it, but we got a little too. taste of it. Uh, and the news, people betting on it, all that good stuff. Um, and now uh, week one of preseason starts. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty jazzed, Frankie. Yeah, I'm excited too. And that's going to be a topic that we'll touch on here uh, in a little bit. I know we want to get some Cubs talk out of the way. We won't be too in-depth. We did want to touch on some injuries and some roster moves that are going to be have to be made Excuse me. due to that. Um, once we get past that, we'll talk about week one for the Bears. Um, just expectations, things that we're looking forward to seeing uh, with the offense, defense, special teams. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then after that, we will get into our Bears breakdown, as well as Jackie Moon's top five favorite. This week, we are covering the Bills and the Jets. Um, so not super exciting, but nonetheless, it's football. <laughs> um, so Jack, obviously two huge moves here with the Cubs. Uh, two, ball, uh, two bullpen arms are down. Uh, Kinsler on the IL, and so is uh, Craig Kimbrell. Um, I haven't seen to what extent they're they're placed on there. I'm assuming 10 day, and they re yeah. they'll reevaluate after that. Um, but you did mention to me, and this was something I didn't know off air, that uh, Pedro Strope is more than likely going to be up here in the next couple of days, presume presumably to uh, assume the closer role until Kimbrell gets back. Uh, level one to 10, how 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 scared are we with all this unraveling? Well, just specifically the bullpen, it's already pretty bad, but then you'd throw even more on top of that with Wilson Contreras also being placed on the 10-day IL, but that's more of a month, yeah, month long out for him. He's going to be out for a while with that hamstring that he pulled, um, which is just unbelievably frustrating. And then you get hit with the Craig Kimbrell news, and then last night we get hit again with the Brandon Kinsler stuff, and it's, you know, these guys have been so in important for a bullpen that's really struggled. Uh, Kinsler, last year after they acquired him at the deadline, he was uh, kind of a guy that was more or less forgotten about. Uh, he didn't really perform that well. But this year he's had a huge turnaround. He's made a huge impact. And he was starting to be there, maybe set up closer type role with, with uh, Kimbrell out. Now you start to wonder, okay, well, you're, as you mentioned, Strope is back. He's been activated, so he should be good to go. Uh, but, man, do you trust putting him back into that closer role so soon? Uh, my answer would be no. I think we're going to see a lot of Kyle Ryan. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Wick, a lot of um, C-Sheck, but yep. probably not in that closer role again after what he did last night in that A's game. <laughs> um, and we'll probably see a lot of David Phelps as well. You're going to start to see some guys that you probably didn't expect to see as much of, um, you know, guys like Derek Holland. Uh, mm -hmm. who, you know, I, I just think they're kind of running out of options right now. Um, Dwayne Underwood Jr., who did make a start last year, was pretty solid. Um, he's one of them, one of their pitching prospects who's been kind of trying to cement his way up to the to the major league. So now he's going to get another opportunity. Um, 
I'm a little concerned, Frank. <laughs> it's a it's a very it was a razor thin mar they had they had razor thin margin for error already with this bullpen and now it's even it's even less so. Um but I gotta be honest, I'm more concerned with with losing Wilson Contreras for as long as they're gonna miss him for. Um, you know, because now they traded Martin Maldonado for Tony Kemp. Um and now they kind of need Maldonado. But I do like Tony Kemp as a player. I think he's a nice bench piece. Um, but I got to be honest, I, I think the loss of Wilson Contreras is just going to be it, – it's going to hurt. And it'll it'll be felt pretty soon here, I think. You know, and you could be right. I actually have the opposite take. I'm, I'm more concerned with the bullpen. Um, and it's just because Caratini has looked really solid this year. Yeah. Had this been last year, I'd be completely on board with you. Caratini was bad offensively last year, but he's held his own. And, you know, you're talking about it being three to four weeks. I think I can live with a month of Caratini with a little bit of um of um Taylor Davis sprinkled in every now and then. And then hopefully Wilson can be here for, for all or most of September. Uh, but to, to your one point, do you trust Pedro Strope immediately? I think the easy answer is no, but then it's like, who else do you have that has the closer stuff? That's what puts you in a weird spot with that. And the one thing that I'll touch on, and then really I'm, I'm, I'm done with my Cubs takes, is you know this only compounds the level of bad luck that the Cubs have had. Not just this year, not just with these injuries, but when you look at guys like C.J. Edwards, who is supposed to be ready for this right now. So he should have been the setup guy or the closer already, and you have you know your closer go down, even looking at last year with Brandon Morrow. He should have been able to step right into this role and be ready for it. And it's like it just never happened. And it, there was a lot of little things like that that have happened over the last few years that you know people may be overlooking when you're, when you're looking at how stagnant we've been for the last couple of years. You did bring up a good. Uh, you did bring up. A, you did bring up a name that I think a lot of people are probably curious about as well. Uh, in Brandon Morrow, um, there is some news on him. Uh, it sounds like he is kind of making his way back. Uh, there might be a slight chance that he actually does somehow nice. play for the Cubs this year, which would be a huge boost. Um, obviously, the sooner the better. Um, you know, there's they they perform some. I believe it was like hydro. Some some water scalpel bullshit thing. I don't know. It's too complicated for me to understand. Um, but basically, the nerves were just being affected by his ligaments in his elbow. Okay. So he just had to kind of work around that, lower the swelling, kind of get his elbow right. He said he's pain free. Uh, he's been throwing for the last couple of weeks or so. So, you know, I think I think if 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 they get anything from him, that's a huge win. Uh, yeah. And because now you're starting to look well, maybe he does come back in late late August and then that's with Kimbrough coming back and then with Contreras coming back and Kinsler. And then you start to get all of these guys. If you could just tread water uh, for yep. the next month or so, um, you know, and, and just kind of hold your ground until some of these guys start coming back, then you're in a pretty good position to even get that extra little boost right at the end. When you bring in those, those, elite, those top end guys. Um, I, I just, you know, I think they can win the division still with the, with the way they've been playing at home because they have been absolutely dominant mm -hmm. at home. Um, but to your point, it just feels like there's always something with this fucking team this year. It's just it's so difficult to see them as World Series champions, um, you know, much less. I, I still think they'll win the division. Uh, the Cardinals are up their own asses right now talking about how average this Cubs team is. Have you looked in the mirror at yourself, Cardinals? Um <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes, but um, 
yeah, that's that's kind of it for me on Cubs talk. And then, uh, yeah, the White Sox are are playing baseball, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess the one good thing about the, the White Sox, and I just want to throw this in there and then we'll move on, um, is that Ronaldo Lopez has looked much better in the second half. Yeah. Uh, much closer to the guy that he was last year. Um, so I think that should be an encouraging sign as, as that was kind of what Giolito did a little bit as well. And then he kind of rolled it over to the next year. So that's kind of it for me, Frankie, on, on Chicago baseball. I think we're I think we're yeah. all set. No, I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well with, you know, treading water is what needs to be done. And we fucking treaded water for the last two years. So I think we can do it. <laughs> um, so moving on, man, obviously we're both super excited here, even though it's only preseason and starters probably won't play at, uh, a lot, if at all, in some uh, some cases. But, you know, this Thursday, week one of the preseason. Thursday, um, Frankie. Yeah. Thursday night, motherfucking football. Let's I'm excited. go. I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I know I, I've been browsing some Bears forums. People are kind of talking about little things that they're looking for, things that they, you know, uh, different takes that they have or predictions or, or whatever. People are starting to really uh, shell out the 53-man roster projections. Um, I'm just curious, what are some of the things that you are looking for in this game. Granted, it's not of the most important. So we're, I'm not expecting any, you know, touchdown drives by the starting offense. They may, may not even play, but you know, whether it's a certain player, whether it's a position, whether it's a position group, what are you looking for in week one of the preseason? So one thing about the preseason that I feel like a lot of people are starting to accept is that it doesn't matter at all. Uh, I don't know why we've taken so long to get here. Um, whilst, but, but while saying that, I will say this, I think the idea of of sitting everyone for the first preseason game altogether, I think that's I think that's a wrong decision. Um, I think it's important to at least get these guys some looks, some just maybe get their routines down, what they would be doing if they were starting. Um, these guys need to kind of get back into shape, and and they love doing it. Like we've talked about this before on this podcast, where it's it's you you can't be that afraid of injuries, where it's just like. I'm not going to let you play the sport that you've grown up your entire life playing. Like not saying that they need to play every single snap of this preseason, obviously, but I think maybe the first series we should see the starting lineup. We should see the starter, the starters play a little bit and then, you know, bring in chase Daniel and then eventually, you know, give Tyler Bray, maybe the second, third and fourth quarter and just kind of let him do his own thing. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see how many touches the the running backs get. Uh, so Mike Davis, uh, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen. I want to see kind of how many touches they get. Obviously, you want them to be as limited as possible going into this. Um, and I kind of just want to see, I, I mean, obviously, we're going to be getting a very vanilla defense from from Chuck Pagano. He's not going to be blitzing. They never blitz in preseason. So <laughs> yeah. you're not going to see that that defensive performance, if you will. You're not going to see that number one defense. They're still going to play. They're going to play hard, but I, you're not going to see those types of schemes or anything. It's going to be very – it's going to be like if, if you're playing Madden, you're just ask Madden. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get the basic yeah. cover two, the the basic pass rush. You're not going to get a whole lot. So I'm not looking I, – I don't think we'll see anything too crazy, uh, but I am curious to see some of the workload that, that a lot of these starters will get. Yeah, and I, I actually don't think they're going to play at all, to be honest with you, and I won't be upset with that. I think um, my, my philosophy is somewhat the same as yours when it comes to at least getting some reps, though I'd rather see that in week two and three. You, yeah. I, I'm kind of all backups and un, undrafted free agent guys week one and week four. 
three, I'd like to the you know most of the first half to get some good reps, um, and then week two maybe the first quarter, maybe a couple of drives. However, it looks just as the game you know goes on. But for me, what I look for, especially week one, um, is the rookies. So I'm really like I don't think David Montgomery is going to get too much. I am very curious. Like one of the guys I want to see is Duke Shelley because I think he's going to be a dude who's going to get a ton of time. He was a sixth round pick. Uh, so, you know, I'm trying to find the words without sounding like too disrespectful. They don't have too big of an investment in him, but they do think he can play. So I think he's someone that they really want to get him, you know, adjusted and accustomed to the speed of the game. And there's no better time than that than in real action, whether it is preseason or not. That being said, it's not foreign for coaches, especially late in the game. Well, they'll have this conversation beforehand to ask the other coach to run certain things or to see, you know, if they can get certain matchups to see what they have in guys. So you may see that as well. And that goes to your point that while the preseason, I wouldn't go be as blunt as you and say it means nothing. I think it means nothing in terms of like the players that you already know are going to be starters. So there are guys who are on the bubble and these coaches have conversations to say like, hey, we want to test this guy out. Can you run a few of these coverages on him? We want to, you know, our, so that that's not foreign at all. Even if coaches don't have like a history with each other, like as social media and as things, Hey buddy, as social media and, and, you know, players and coaches are becoming more accessible. Like that, those are things that they've talked about before is that they'll grab lunch with the other coach or the other coordinator the night before, and then come third or fourth quarter when the game really doesn't matter anymore, they want to test out some of the bubble guys and undrafted free agents and different looks that they would like the other guy, you know, to give their guy. So that that all could be happening as well. But I, I do want to see um, – I actually want to see a little bit out of the tight ends as well, which we'll talk about later. But yeah. that's going to be one that I will be co- uh, keeping a close eye on uh, in the preseason. If Frank is if, – if, if Frank, if anyone's wondering why you just said, hey, buddy, and they don't – you know, see the video or anything. My my dog has decided to make a cameo appearance. Yeah. Um, which is why I've moved sets. Uh, he's being very annoying tonight. So, uh, you know, real life gets in the way, Frank. What can I Absolutely. say? Absolutely. Um, but we do strive for perfection here. Um, that's what we're going for <laughs> here now. Um, to your point, um, you know, about the third preseason game, I feel like that's kind of how it's normally always been. Um, but I think everyone was kind of shocked last year, if you will, about how Matt Nagy um used that third preseason game. Um, where he didn't play any of the starters. No yeah. one played at all. And, um, you know, everyone was kind of surprised. So I feel like we may see something a little similar to that again. Um, I think the biggest thing is that there's no no new pieces, no, you know, big, big new pieces other than the rookies that, that have been brought in. There wasn't, you know, some a, a giant free agent signing that needs to get comfortable and where the, in the defense and, and, you know, things like that. So um, I think we'll kind of see the same. If anything, I, see, I think we're going to see the most – time the starters will play will be maybe this week but more so next week i think week two is going to start to kind of be that used as as that dress rehearsal game that's been reserved for a lot of teams for week three um normally pretty much since this preseason shit has started um i i wonder if the nfl is going to start to look at this and just be like what's what's the point of even having these preseason games if this is get this how it's going to be but the, the something that shouldn't be forgotten is that it's it's really preseason for everyone. Uh, you know, that includes referees, that includes coaches, mm-hmm. that includes mm-hmm. the broadcast. 
broadcast. And, um, you know, as someone who has experience doing the Bears radio broadcast, uh, it is very important to to be able to try and get timing down. Um, so it isn't just for the players. I think preseason is still important. Um, but obviously minimizing players' risk of, of getting injured is such a crucial aspect to this this process. And I think it's it, it shows how teams I think this kind of makes or breaks coaches, honestly, of, of how they go about this. I think it shows, um, you know, what what coaches are smart, um, what coaches are dumb. Um, it just kind of depends. And I think more coaches will probably start to follow Matt Nagy's lead um, in terms of of how he uses his preseason players. Um, I'm just excited to see that blue and orange again, man. It's, I, I need I need something to help me get over what happened earlier this year. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I need something. I, I need to get this season started so we can move on from last year. Agreed. I think, um, I think people don't really understand the value of the preseason and it's not, it's not pretty, but you know, these guys, like once games are over, coaching staffs are going and watching all the other games because guys are going to get cut. So, like, this is their chance to really show what other teams or their own team what they can do. So, yeah, it sucks that, you know, we're not having starters play, you know, very long or at all really across the whole league. But that's really what the preseason has always been about. No one, you know, no one wants their starters to get hurt. Not saying that they want their undrafted guys or whoever to get hurt. But this is the most playing time they're going to get right now. And they can really show what it is that they can do. So, it's like... right. That's what this has always been for. So, you know, when you talk about, and then they may be far and few between, but a guy like James Harrison used the preseason to show what he can do, and then look at him now. So, like, you're you're not, you're not going to always find an absolute stud on the undrafted free agent market, uh, or or, you know, in the preseason. But like Arian Foster was another guy. He was the best running back in the league for a few years, and he was he was an undrafted dude. If you only leave it to camp and you're only looking at draft stock. Guys like that wouldn't even get a chance. They'd get right, right. go right to the uh, to the scout team and then, you know what I mean, like hope people get hurt from there. And it's just a bad position for everyone. But you kind of mentioned something else that I'll be looking out for, uh, kind of talking about that bad taste in your mouth. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the kickers. Yeah. What they've been doing in practice is having them go one day on, one day off. So it's Pinheiro, Fry, Pinheiro, Fry, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I want to know what, you know, what it is they're going to do in game because – to the to my memory I can't remember the last kicker battle that we've had in Chicago like it's been gold job for so long and then kind of scattered a little bit but whoever it was post gold it was like that was his job and that was it right you know what I mean so I I'm really here they 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 may even have drives where they intentionally that's what I was gonna say yeah, that's, like they intentionally bring that stop up. at fifty yard, you know, for a fifty yard attempt and get, get get one of them out there and do the same thing. So I'm I'm very curious to see what they do with that. Yeah, see, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Nagy to look at it and say, hmm, we don't need to see Tyler Bray lead an offense from the forty yard line to get into the red zone and score with guys that will never see a a, a day of Chicago Bears football. Like, do we yeah. really need to see that? I mean, he's one of those coaches who I feel like would be like, no, you know what? It's first and it's first and 10. <laughs> Bring out the kicker. Let's go. Like, yeah, let's I, see what we got here would not um, doubt it. I think I think probably what they will do is they will probably switch off kickers uh, by game. So I think they'll have the full okay. game. Uh, I don't think they'll do halves. Um, now, maybe I'm wrong. 
Uh, but I really see this kind of going, all right, this is kind of what you mentioned they're doing in practice where it's like, okay, it's your game, prep how you want to prep, do what you need to do, let's see what it would be like in game. And then whatever opportunities he gets, that's it. You know, you better make the most of your opportunities because this is this needs to end. This this kicking this this conversation needs to be done. Like it's it's frustrating that they haven't been able to figure this out. Um, and I feel like the fear of last season is so it is still impacting this so much where they're just like they can't get it out of their heads where they're like, we need a kicker. Or it's like there's just there's more important things, in my opinion, to worry about right now. How about score 35 points a game and then you won't have to worry about the kicker making a game winning field goal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, I would rather see an elite offense than, than a elite kicker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. I, I will say this as well. The one thing that Matt Nagy has stayed true to since last off season, and it's carried over into this off season in training camp is, you know, the offense last year was in one Oh one. So and, and you could tell that at times where he didn't always trust Trubisky. He, he was calling plays, uh, you know, creatively, but conservatively at the same time. So when he says that he feels like they're in 201 and then I actually read an article today that him and Helfrick are both, you know, they want Mitch to really take chances this year. Interceptions be damned. That's encouraging to me. Because that means they really truly believe that everyone in this offense is at the level 201, as they like to put it. And um, that's that's encouraging because you're not going to have to rely on a kicker as much if you're going to take more chances once you cross the 50. So, but I, to one of your points, I'm actually, I, I like that it's been a little bit tougher of a call with the last two because that means they're both performing very well in camp. So yeah. this is kind of a problem that you would want to have, you know what I mean, in, in regards to evaluating kickers. So that's why I'm curious as to what they'll do in the preseason. I'm just happy it's not Cody Parkey, to be honest with you, man. I just I am too. Um, you know, other things that I'm going to be looking for in the season game as well is to see um, what opportunities, um, you know, certain players get for maybe the uh, the kick returning position, the punt returning position. Um, you know, is Cordero, is Cordero Patterson your guy for kickoffs? Is he punt returns? Is Tariq Cohen doing punt returns? I think, well, while you can't necessarily get all the answers, you you want the big answers like, oh, you know, is Mitch Trubisky going to finish with 40 touchdowns after the first preseason game? We're not going to get that. Um, but we will get a couple more answers about some of the depth, um, you know, that this team will, will be afforded. And, and you know, Frank, I I know we've talked about a lot about the stars and, and we, you know, in our bears breakdown, we've talked about, um, you know, the top end players and the guys behind them and, and stuff like that as well. We should, but man, I mean, you go through this roster and I, I honestly can't, can't remember a deeper bears team just I overall. Agree. I mean, not even, you know, we've, we've talked about teams in the past, the, you know, the 2006 super bowl team, the, the 2010 team, um, you know, that was a, that was a half away from going to the Super Bowl. We've talked about a lot of teams, but it feels like when the Bears have been good in our lifetimes, it's it's normally been the defense and a very good run game, and that's pretty much it. Um, now it's you have such a deep offense. I mean, this group of wide receivers, um, this group of running backs, it's beyond it's the deepest I've ever seen it. And you go top to bottom on the defense, and you can say the same thing. Uh, the offensive line is this is easily one of the most dominant Bears offensive lines I can remember as long as obviously Since everyone the stays Super Bowl healthy. team. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I just think it's 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 a question that 
that I, I, I want to ask you, um, and if you want to save your answer for when we get to the quarterbacks, that's fine. But I do want to yeah. pose this. You know, in, tw- in, in 2017, when, when Ryan Pace traded up for Mitch Trubisky, and everyone's like, it, it, myself included, was very skeptical of the trade up. You know, why did he do it? Blah, blah, blah. Look what the look what the 49ers did. Oh, they fleeced them. Look how good of mm. players they got. All that bullshit that happened. And everyone at that time was like, okay, Ryan Pace, this is his this is the first big quarterback he's drafted since he's been here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his guy. This gathering his career. And that's kind of where every Bears fan was comfortable living. My question is this. Now that the depth that he has built, the, the ability to find guys deep in the draft, in the third, the fourth, the fifth round, uh, impact players, the, the Khalil Mack trade, finding certain guys that fit his team, Roquan Smith, Anthony Miller, my question to you is this. If Mitch Trubisky does fail, and let's say he's not the right fit, let's say things go horribly wrong this season, do you believe that Ryan Pace doesn't, do you believe that he sh- does not deserve another opportunity to find another quarterback and, and continue this thing? Or do you think it's either Mitch Trubisky or fail for Ryan Pace? No, I think it would be asinine for Ryan Pace to lose his job if Mitch Trubisky winds up being awful this year. I mean, and I think for that to happen, he would not only have to be awful, but like, he would there would have to be like a public spat between Nagy and Pace like I think a lot would have to happen because Mitch you know the one thing that he has shown us is that he's shown us that his floor isn't too low we don't know what his ceiling is just yet but we know at the very least we can win with him we don't know if we can win because of him this is going to be another year of telling us that so I, I can't imagine that happens but obviously in this hypothetical I would say no because of all the things that you've listed I mean this guy found one of the best safeties in the draft in the fifth round. I mean, that that's incredible value. You know what I mean? This dude, he's, uh, you know, we're going to see what we have in David Montgomery, but I trust his scouting and running backs. He found Tariq Cohen from an HBCU in the fourth round. And this dude's one of the most exciting players, electric players in the league. I mean, there's not anything he can't do on a football field. He's throwing touchdowns, for God's sake. You know what I mean? The Khalil Mack trade, the uh, Anthony Miller move up, and Anthony Miller had seven touchdowns in limited play last year. Like, I mean, he he knows what he's doing. And if the, the argument would be they're going to use the first few years of his tenure as proof as, so, well, maybe he really wasn't that good and he got lucky. But it's like when you even look at the moves then, he was building for something. Me and you have talked about this offline a ton. If you compare from when he took over to now, it is astronomically a better roster from top to bottom. The, the the mess that Phil Emery made, and that for those who may not aren't, aren't too good with names, but he was the GM before Ryan Pace, um, he I mean he depleted this team. His scouting was awful. I, yeah. I, there was there was an uh, an atrocious stat. Like I think it was by 2017 or 2018, none of the draft picks from 2015 were were on the team any longer. Like that is awful. So, I mean, we're having drafting like that. We're throwing big money at Jared Allen, who's old and washed up, (laughs) at Pernell McPhee, who, while while he was on the field, was a very good player. He had no more knee ligaments. Like, I mean, you're you're throwing money at these guys who are not producing and you're drafting bad. I mean, I I can't think of of a bad pick by Ryan Pace outside of the unlucky Kevin White. Like you, you can't, you can't help injury. He, he didn't have red injury, red flags going into that draft. 
You know what I mean? Outside of that, everyone has been productive. We're going to see what the kid from last year, Joel uh, Iggy, can do. He seems like he's not going to be all that great. And obviously, Shaheen is on that bubble as well. But I think you can name a lot more hits in not only in free agent, I mean, not only in the draft, but in free agency as well. So, I mean, th- it would have to be like a nuclear explosion at Hallis Hall for him to lose his job. I, I think it would have to be more than just Trubisky being bad. Right. And and a lot of people point to to Ryan Pace, um, you know, getting rid of Robbie Gold. But I feel like people just failed to remember the situation that was going on with Robbie Gold. It wasn't just he was a good kid. He struggled as a kicker, first of all. He was hitting like 83%. He was making yeah. a ton of money for a kicker. They were a team that was rebuilding. They didn't need a kicker yep. when they were rebuilding. There was also just he, – he, he was – it, it seemed like he was closer to retirement than I feel like a lot of people realized. And they were like, okay, well, why would we pay this guy that much money? Getting moved to the 49ers, him going there, has turned his career around. Yep. And I feel like people don't really realize that. They just look at the – the, in hindsight, like, oh, obviously you shouldn't – no. They had a reason to. Like, it's not necessarily Ryan Pace's fault. And people who are suggesting that Ryan Pace hired John Fox, that is not true. That's not the case. He was they, the the Bears ownership needed stability after yep. Phil Emery. You're right, and after Mark Tressman, the weirdest motherfucker I will ever lay my eyes on. <laughs> Just an odd, odd man. Um, they needed some stability in that organization. They believed in Ryan Pace's scout and believed in players and find the right coaching fit. They obviously trusted him, but he's a first time GM. They wanted to pair him with someone who has experience in the NFL world, who has been to a couple, you know, who's been to a Super Bowl, has been to two Super Bowls. Uh, he didn't win either one of them, but he turned teams around. That's what he did. That's what he was known for. It was a very quick turnaround. Um, John Fox was the right fit at the time. I, I still believe that. Um, but Ryan Pace didn't choose him as his head coach. He was yep. more or less saddled with him. And let's not forget what John Fox did for this team where he he brought in Adam Gase. He brought in Vic Fangio. He assembled yep. this coaching staff that we were so impressed with at the time. Um, now, John Fox obviously didn't necessarily handle his time here well, uh, but that's not necessarily what he was here to do. Um, I think he was just here to provide some stability to a franchise that that needed it. Things didn't really work out, but his coaching led to the ability to draft guys like you know, like Mitch Trubisky, because they were able to trade up one spot. Um, you know, you could ask, is that a good thing? We'll see. Uh, maybe if they were farther back, they would have just drafted Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. Dreamers can dream, Frank, but I'm over that now. We have Mitch Trubisky. He's the Bears quarterback. That is, it is what it is. Let's move forward. Um, I agree with you. Uh, this is kind of a long roundabout way of saying it that i I think it's fascinating how quickly Ryan Pace's relationship with Bears fans has changed. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, when they when he first traded up for him, everyone was had his head in the guillotine basket already. Um, oh, look at the fleece that the fleece job the 49ers got. Um, yeah, Solomon Thomas looks like an all time bust, and um, and Ruben uh, Foster's not even on the yeah, team. Yeah, Ruben anymore. Foster's not even on the team anymore. So. Um, it is what it is. I think Ryan Pace absolutely would w- deserves another chance to maybe draft another quarterback. And we're not even there yet. You know, I, I yep. still believe Mitch Trubisky can be maybe top 15, top 15 quarterback. Isn't that all they need to really win a Super Bowl this year? I would say, yeah. 
I, I would mean, say, yeah, I don't think... Yeah. I, well, I, I did want to further one of your points about John Fox. He came here and did exactly what he was supposed to do. I don't want to bring it too quick, but part of what I do with where I actually work is studying culture, is looking at you know, a lot of things like that when it comes to organization and the average time that it takes to uh, to to shift a culture is is two and a half to three years. And that's exactly what he did here. The I mean, when you hear the reports when Mark Trustman was the coach and Jay Ratliff goes in drunk one day and like tears up Hallis Hall and then gets named the captain the very next day instead of being cut. Like there was a lot of really he just didn't have control of that locker room. So what John right. Fox did was at least stabilize this, make this a culture I mean, it felt like a, a Lovey Smith culture where it's like grown men could be grown men. We have these boundaries. We're going to let you do your thing. And it didn't feel that way with Mark Trestman and Phil Emery. So he was he was there for that. And while he just like you touched on, while he was there doing that, Ryan Pace was quietly building one of the deepest rosters that we see now. You yeah. know what I mean? So they allowed him time to do his job. So you can I think the the um, the Ryan Pace I guess resume or experiment, whatever you want to call it, that starts with the hiring of Matt Nagy. That point on is where you really evaluate him because he had nothing to start with. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, if 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 you own a forest and I'm starting a forest in two years, I'm not going to compare myself to you. I'm still building my forest. You know what I mean? Like it, it it doesn't make sense. So it's like you have to look at things for what they are. But people refuse to look at stuff with context. They think everything is situation to situation. You know what I mean? Right. And and I think I think what also bought him some time as well, if that's what you want to call it, is the hiring of Matt Nagy is finding that diamond in the rough of, of last year. I mean, he clearly was the best hire amongst coaches. I mean, you could argue Frank Reich was one of those guys for the Colts, um, but they, they kind of and, and this is me saying this as a Colts fan, they kind of uh, ass words stumbled into that hire uh, because of all the stuff that happened with Josh McDaniels. Um, they got very lucky with Frank Reich and, and I, I think the bears targeting Matt Nagy, knowing the kind of guy he is, knowing the the scheme and his offense that he can bring to this team. I, it just, and, and not only just as an offensive coach, I think this is what gets lost with Matt Nagy a lot is that he's not just a great offensive minded head coach. He is that, but he's also a very good leader. You can yeah. tell that these guys respect him, whether that's on the defense, it's it's in the coaching staff, um, media, media guys, the media people. I, I feel like really I mean, he's obviously such a different a different person than than John Fox was. So he's clearly a breath of fresh air. Uh, but he also challenges the media guys a little bit, too. He's not just going to roll over and and kind of just accept whatever it is that they're that they're saying. Um, I, I just feel like he's a very likable person. Yeah. He just has that aura to him, that that personality where you're like, you just you want to trust what he's saying. And I I feel like there was a lot of that last year where it's like, OK, what he's saying makes sense. But, oh, he hasn't earned our trust yet. Right. Going into year two, when he tells you that Mitch Trubisky is is not in the where he wants him to be. I feel like it's not as much of a shock anymore where it's like last year you would have been like, oh, my God, here we go. Trubisky does suck. No, Nagy, Nagy now feels comfortable enough to to say it publicly with Mitch understanding that you aren't where I want you to be, but that doesn't mean that I'm giving up on you. It just means that you can be better. So I feel yeah. like and I feel like as fans, they take that a little differently than they would have last year where it's like, OK, like Nagy clearly believes in him. He just wants to see more. I think that's a good sign. 
Um, you know, he said that about a lot of guys too. Um, there was a great article that I sent you on uh, NBC Sports Chicago about um, Anthony Miller's growth from year one to yep. year two, about him learning how to how to play. And we'll kind of talk about that in a couple of weeks when we get to the wide receiver spot uh, for the Bears breakdown. But, um, you know, I feel like he just brings out the maturity in a lot of these players. And uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see how that translates maybe to preseason game one, which is what we originally talked about. But I feel like you... It, it, since it is the preseason, we don't really need to talk about each specific game. Uh, right. Whereas we're talking the preseason as, as a whole. I'm just ready to see this team, man. I, I'm just ready. I, I'm ready for, for week one against the Packers to be here. Um, I, I'm beyond excited about about this, uh, this Bears season, man. Me too. Me too. And I think we said all we can about the Cubs and then really what we're looking forward to in week one against Carolina. Uh, well, I should say week one of the preseason against Carolina. So, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Um, again, episode 16 of the Corked Up podcast. When we come back, we will get into our Bears breakdown. We're going to be talking about the tight end group, uh, which I think we both are a little skeptical about here. Uh, and then we're going to end it with Jackie Moon's top five favorite teams, Jets and Bills. Uh, we will be right back. And welcome back into the Corked Up podcast, episode number 16, Frank. My goodness. Um, back here on Two Cents Pods, uh, at Jack underscore Savio 5, at Frankie G Lyrical, at Two Cents Pods, and of course, at Corked Up Podcast on Twitter is where you can relay all of your hate messages to us about how <laughs> dumb we are about everything. Um, always great to read that stuff. So, uh, Frank, we, uh, we are back doing uh, the Bears breakdown. We only have five left to go frank uh and that means that means only five more weeks till the bears packers week one i am i am jazzed for it frankie you're goddamn uh, so we're right. going to continue with the bears breakdown we've done a little offense defense switch up a little bit here so we're going to continue that trend uh frank did mention we are going to talk a little tight ends um and uh frank this uh this group here if the Bears, we we in in the last segment we were talking about how how deep um, that Ryan Pace has, has made this roster. Uh, if they're if they're shallow, if they're thin at any position, um, I feel like it's fair to say that tight end is that position there. I agree. Um, you know, I, I as as always, I did you know project uh, predict the uh, the fifty three man roster. Nothing has really changed so far. Um, so I have Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen. Ben Broniker and then Bradley Sowell, who you may think, oh, wait, isn't he an offensive lineman? No, he has switched over to tight end. So um, those are my four guys um, with an honorary mention of Dax Raymond, who is the rookie that they signed, the undrafted rookie, um, who has apparently turned some heads in, in camp. Yeah. So, Frank, I want to get your take on, on the tight ends. Um, what do you think of this group? What do you expect from this group? Um, and what do you think, how, how important do you think this group is to the success of the, the 2019 Bears? Yeah, I think um, they're less important than last year. Because I think, you know, getting the Cordero Patterson, uh, signing in here at wide receiver, that's going to, you know, make us be a lot more uh, unpredictable and just have more weapons. And obviously uh, Montgomery as well as uh, Mike Davis g- gives you some some things to work with there. Um, so they're less important than last year, but like you pointed out, this is the weakest group in on, on the team, and I, I I don't think that's a hot take at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's a very cold take. Um, 
You look at Trey Burton, the only thing that concerns you is that he hasn't really practiced in training camp so far. So he's dealing with some sort of injury. I haven't looked too far into it because the Bears said they're not too concerned. Yeah, it's um he had that sports hernia surgery. The hernia, um, that's in right. In the offseason. Uh, that's right. And, so his, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, continue. Go ahead. Yeah, no. So his balls are in his stomach currently. Um, <laughs> hopefully he's ready for week one. I, um, you know, the, I, if he can stay physically healthy, healthy, uh, obviously you you worry about the, about his mental health. He didn't play last year against the Eagles due to I believe it was like anxiety attack or something, which people made fun of. And I I I don't want to get too deep into that, but I think that was pretty low of Bears fans to make fun of him for that because he he's been doing this his whole life. He 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 played in the Super Bowl. He made a, probably the biggest play of that Super Bowl. It's been coined since. It's a Madden play for Christ's sake. Um, so, so to act like he like bitched out of a playoff game, I thought was pretty low of some people, uh, but you hope he, you know, hopefully he, he, if he wasn't already, hopefully he, what he, he did get a therapist and he got to talk some things through. I know there's some pretty highly touted sports therapists in the Chicagoland area. Um, but really outside of him, because what we know he is, is a receiving threat and a very damn good one. He lined up in the slot quite a bit last year. I mean, he looked at times last year, like the best route runner on the team. Like he, he could play, but it's going to be about health with him. Um, and then you look down the rest of everyone, Adam Shaheen, a second round pick. He has all the physical tools. He's six, seven, 260, 265. Uh, maybe not the, the best route runner, but when you're that big, you don't have to be, you know what I mean? Really with right. him, it's about being on the field so we can get the reps. Um, and for me, when I look at Adam Shaheen, I mean, this is make or break season. I think if he, if he has another year, like the last few years, you just, you, you cut your losses and, you know, count that as a round two draft bust. Um, Ben Broniker is one of those solid guys. He's a little bit good at everything. I don't expect yeah. too much from him. He's going to be your solid number three. I mean, he's just, he's a cheaper Deion Sims. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's not anything, anything special. Uh, he's better than Deion Sims, man. Well, I, yeah, I, I think if, I think if Deion Sims was making the amount that Broniker was, I, we wouldn't even yeah. have the conversation. They'd be, they're the same, you know, right. I, I, same on the packing order. And then Bradley Sowell kind of g- gives you some versatility with the offensive line and some goal line packages. You did mention the undrafted kid who I'm hearing a ton about. I'll tell you this. When we talked about the preseason, that's someone who really has a shot to make this roster because if Trey Burton ends up on the pup list or the injured reserve or just whatever, or Shaheen just doesn't play well and they decide to cut their losses this year, that can be a guy who can make an impact right away. I'm certainly not expecting it, but I'm just, you know, you put yourself in the mindset of all these undrafted guys. If I'm him, I, I look at this like food, like I, this, the, the dinner plate is here. I just have to eat it. If I show up and perform, I have the best chance of any other undrafted guy to actually make this roster. Um, all in all, I, I'm definitely worried about it. I, I, I am. I can't lie and say that I'm not. But like I said, I don't think they're as important to this team as other groups, especially even on offense, because you have, I mean, we can legitimately line up five receivers in certain sets this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Riley Ridley can play Allen Robinson. We know what he can do. Anthony Miller, um, Cordero Patterson. I, I, I mean, you, you have a plethora of things. Montgomery can line up on the outside. So can Tariq. Cole. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do this year. So, so as it impacts the team, I'm not the most worried, but the group themselves has the potential to be pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of want to go just- run back over everything you kind of said uh trey burton is obviously the top tight end of this group yep. um very versatile one of the 
a extremely versatile player for the for the position that he plays. Um, I, I when I think of him, I think of the game against the Patriots um, when he he kind of got them back in that game mm-hmm. because he was just wide open every single <laughs> play in the middle of the field. Like he he's he's that guy. Well, you know, we talk a lot about about guys who can get open and and you know run the wheel route and run slants and and curl route and all that you know traditional football stuff. One thing that I think is is very important and kind of just adds another element to this this team is that seam route um that Trey mm-hmm. Burton is very effective at running um it's not as important it's not as vital you're absolutely right they can run those five wide receiver sets um and I'm sure we will see a lot of that we'll see Tariq Cohen in the slot we'll see David Montgomery in the slot we'll see all different sorts of combinations but Taylor just Gabriel that, was the other receiver. I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt. I, I, it was not, no, 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 no so worries. I had to get it out. <laughs> no worries. We haven't done the Bears breakdown for them, so you don't have to worry about that yet. Um, adding that additional element of that seam route, of those open space, just, all right, you know, we need we need three yards. Let's get second and seven instead of first and or second and ten. You throw it to – you do the, the, the little toss plays that they like to do, the little pitch plays. Trey Burton was a big part of running those plays. I think he ran about 90% of those fucking things. Um, he adds so much to the offensive group that he, I think he's, he is important, but I don't think it's crippling if they miss him for a couple games or two, mm-hmm. um, to your point about the, uh, the anxiety stuff, um, uh, that has become a big part of my life. Um, not necessarily for me, um, but just in general. Um, and I feel like it's what we talked a lot about with Brandon Marshall the last couple of weeks where he's, he's bringing awareness. And I, I, I wish people would, would take it a little more seriously. Um, you know, mental issues and, and injury. It's, it's much like a physical injury. It's just people aren't able to see it. So they don't understand it. I didn't understand it for a very long time. Um, it, it takes a lot to, to, you have to put in the work to understand it. And once you do, you can realize how debilitating that really is. Um, yeah. I agree. People who were, were hard. I, I never, I, I'm at the point in my life where I didn't care that he missed a game, uh, a football game because of, of something that was seriously wrong with him. It's not that important. It, it really isn't. Um, yeah. and hopefully bears fans kind of learn to learn a little bit more about that. Um, you know, you know, what's funny about humanity is that just saying something isn't enough. So someone like the, the description of a, of a anxiety attack or, or, or a panic attack or what have you is like, people are just, Oh, like get over it. But yeah. Like, just like you said, in order, you have to, people have to really dig deep just to be like, Oh, okay. It's acceptable now. Like you can't just believe someone. And you know what I mean? Like where, where the fuck are we at in society that where uh, it's like, where it's like, why, why, if, if that is, you know, if that's what happened to Trey Burton, why is that any different than him having a knee injury, like or a groin injury, like he said he did? Why, why is, why is it worse for him to have some like an anxiety attack? But, and God damn, he threw one of the biggest passes in Super Bowl history. Like I, yeah, I don't understand exactly. why people are. I, it, it makes no sense to me that, that oh well, he just pushed out. Like no, that's no. Yeah. No. People, it's not. You, you know what it is? I think people look back at their own athletic endeavors and remember how nervous that they were, and maybe there were times where they couldn't perform because they were so nervous. Everyone gets the butterflies before games. When I'm playing a pickup game, I'll get a little bit of butterflies too. Still. But once you're in there, especially when you're professional, like I've talked to some of these guys and they're like, yeah, like, of course I'm nervous after once you get in there and you start sweating, it's all over with you're playing now. And it's like, no, no one's scared enough to miss a game, a game that they've been playing their whole life. Like, come on, get like, it's, it's asinine. 
And that's not what anxiety is either. It's not being scared. Exactly. Being scared isn't being anxious. You're just it, it's it is debilitating. People just can't their their brain just isn't working the correct way. It's not mm-hmm. they they're not getting the correct chemicals. And it's just it it really kind of disgusted me to be honest with you. I think that's Same that's the me. low and and it was such a disappointment that it, it, you know as as someone who dealt with a lot of Bears fans every single game, the the joy and the excitement and the and the and the passion they brought was just so healthy and so encouraging. And then to kind of go back to the old. T- dirt in the wound and type of football it just yeah i just i hate it and i and to be honest with you that's a real big reason why i hate mike dicka like i i i can't stand people who think he's he's the greatest coach in bears history like i i just i can't um yeah i think he's a piece of shit and uh we'll talk about that someday <laughs> soon i'm sure um but continuing with the tight ends um adam shaheen i agree with pretty much everything you said this is really a make or break year for him um it just, he just looks slow. He just looks like a clumsy oaf out there playing football. Like, <laughs> but, but you know what's, what shouldn't be forgot, Frank, is that, you know, last year during the preseason when he when he broke his hand in, the, in that game, mm-hmm. um, he was playing really well. Yeah. I mean, he was gearing up for a pretty big year. So I, I'm curious to see uh, if if he can if he can stay healthy. Um, you know, I worry about him with the amount of injuries he has. I know we just talked about this with, with um, Trey Burton, but I don't think this is the same thing where it's like, I think, I think Shaheen's pain tolerance might just be really low. Um, He might just be one of those guys who just like every injury is not exaggerated. That's not the right word, but it it feels worse than maybe it actually is. Um, Because I mean, he's just been too hurt for a guy, his size. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense with some of these injuries. Um, and again, that's not a mindset you can really get over. It's not really something you can develop. Um, but I I think that might be part of it. And again, this, no, no, uh, no evidence to support this theory. I just feel like for a guy, his size, he shouldn't be getting his hurt in the ways that he is getting hurt. Obviously a broken hand is completely different. (laughs) Um, but I want to see if, uh, how much he, you know, how much he really wants to be the, that guy. So, uh, curious about that. Broniker, like you said, I think a very underrated player in the offense, a very solid go-to guy who, if someone is out, you can, you'd feel pretty good about having him in that lineup. Um, and then Bradley Sowell, like you mentioned, um, I'm curious to see the kind of depth he provides. Uh, we talked about him possibly being that extra blocker, um, like a swing tackle type issue um, when he comes in. How many passes is he really going to get? Curious about that. And then Dax Raymond, any sort of young talent they can infuse and and maybe find a a, you know a gem in the in the rough if you will I think that that would be a big pickup um I'm I don't think they'll carry five tight ends I think it's probably going to be four um so I'm curious to see if maybe they they figure out something with Sowell and and look to keep Dax Raymond on on this roster so uh, I agree uh they're they're not a very deep group um it is a group I'm concerned with but to your point I don't think it's I don't think it's make or break for the Bears this year if the tight end group isn't is an elite level. Yeah, I, here's the thing: uh, push come to shove, Nick Kwiatkowski may be out there for some like non goal line drive. I mean, if there's injuries enough, like 
Coach Nagy has shown that he will put in some defensive players who are athletic on the offense. Blue Mac has scored so, a touchdown on offense this year, man. I'm telling yeah, you right now. I, I, I want to see it. Haha, Clinton Dix, uh, <laughs> I, I heard one of his recent interviews. He said he's been drawing up some plays and giving him the Nagy. So of course, he, yeah. he may be, he may be uh, getting his hand uh Hand in the dirt, maybe on tight end. He's not big enough, but we'll see. See, and that's another reason that we that that just to love Nagy. We were talking about this in the last segment, where it's like he rewards the defensive players for for yeah. how hard they play by giving them offensive plays. Like he gets these guys to buy in, and I think that's that's a big part of why Haha Clinton Dix probably came to this team. Yeah, and the reports that you hear with him, I mean. He's not only is he a people's person, but he doesn't lie to the players and that, yeah. that they really appreciate that. Like he will let them know exactly what's going on, whether or not they're being cut. If I mean, just you mentioned it earlier with Trubisky, you're not exactly where I need you to be, but we're going to continue to work with you. You know what I mean? He's and when you see him out there ripping balls in some of these drills, like, dude, he's still got it. Chase, who, who needs, needs Chase, Chase Daniel? Daniel? I agree. <laughs> I agree. Unfortunately, this isn't this isn't baseball where the uh, where the manager can step in and taking it bad if he needs to. So yeah, yeah, a little disappointing there. No, but I you know I I think we're pretty like minded, and I I, I would actually uh, be surprised if anyone had a different take on the tight ends. I think this is a a pretty easy take to have. You know what I mean? I I mean we can walk out on the ledge and say that Trey Burton is going to be a top five tight end. Cause he certainly has the ability, but you just never know like tight ends from year to year outside of maybe the top two or three are pretty streaky. So uh, it's something to monitor, especially through the preseason. That'll be a group just in general to look at, you know? Yeah. Um, but awesome. I think it's time to move on here. Uh, we are rounding out the AFC East, right? That is correct. AFC East is done. This is uh Frank, this is the division I was the most, I, I was the least excited by. Same. Um, it ended up not being as bad, um, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to getting on to next week, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the very end. Um, yeah. So we are covering the Bills and Jets. Um, I feel like we should start Bills, since I know you had a little trouble with that, Frank. Well, and on a positive yeah. note. Um so do you want me to start five and then you go that way or, or how, how you want to do this? Yeah, yeah, you can start five and then I'll start five for the Jets. All right, Frankie, number five favorite Bill of all time was a guy who uh, ha- has had many opportunities, is still having opportunities today on other teams. He's been in about 72 teams uh, in the 32 NFL uh, team. You know how much I love my middling quarterbacks, but this guy's a little bit special. Um, you know, this guy is a guy who who brings the magic, uh, who makes no logical sense about the way that he plays for about two to three games and in the offseason, the preseason, uh, and then disappears completely. My man, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Frankie, I, I, it's, it, I remember those seasons vividly in 2000, like what, 12, 13, where he's just like, he's just throwing touchdown after touchdown. You're like, who is this guy? And he's got the, he's got the beard. Oh man, I, he's got the great nickname and everything. Ryan Fitzpatrick, number five for me, no doubt about it, Frankie. That's a good. That's a good pick. Uh, spoiler: He didn't make my list. He came close, but that's um, blasphemy. At, no, here's the thing: It's not because you're gonna love my number five. <laughs> but as you got midway through your description, I 100% thought we'd get another matching player. Uh, number five for me. You can say a lot of the same things that you just said about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Ooh, you know, nice. middling quarterback, but had a couple good years. Really showed some promise a few times but ultimately showed himself to be more of a game manager type, uh, maybe even a little bit more than a game manager, but then obviously goes to Cleveland and 
loses out to the uh, superior talent in Baker Mayfield. I don't think they're going to look back there. But I did enjoy his time with the Bills. He made them watchable. He made them fun. Yeah. Uh, he got them to the playoffs. He ended a decent drought for them as well yeah, in Buffalo. I don't know. Maybe 11 years or 10 years. It was a good one. So uh, number five for me, Tyrod Taylor. All right. Um, number four for me, a very reliable wide receiver. This is kind of going back into the the 2000s, the early 2000s. There weren't, there wasn't a whole lot of Bills players, um, at, at, mm-hmm. in in, the, in our in our era, Frank, uh, of name recognition. But one guy I always could count on to have a productive season, whether it was in Madden or you know fantasy football <laughs> or just in real life, whatever you want to choose. Um, Lee Evans, and I feel like he's a guy that that a lot of people forget about. Um. Even he's just so reliable. He, he you know, he, he put a thousand yard season in with guys throwing to him who should never have been throwing passes in the <laughs> NFL. Um, but I always just respected Lee Evans, especially when he was teamed up with uh, with Steve Johnson. You, I, I remember Stevie Johnson, um, T.O. He was just a guy who was kind of always there. And and even when he was on the Ravens, he, he played pretty well, too. So a, a guy who, who's been more or less forgotten, um, but a, a guy who should not have been forgotten as well. And I'm sure a lot of Bills fans probably remember him uh, very fondly. Yeah, no, great pick. Uh, number four for me, I mean, this is a dude who would fit beautifully in today's NFL. Uh, a, Swiss Army, a Swiss Army knife in his own right, could play wide receiver, can play running back, very explosive. Um, C.J. Spiller, for me, number hmm. four. Uh, I, really good in the return game. Um, I do remember for a little while, and debates, the debates didn't get too far, but they were either in the same draft class or... or near each other, but um, Dexter McCluster and C.J. Spiller was oh. was kind of a topic for conversation, and both really didn't have the best of careers, but uh, C.J. Spiller was very, very fun to watch, and as I was looking through that list, I was like, man, I would love to see him like a prime C.J. Spiller in like a Chiefs offense or a Bears yeah. offense. Like, he would be the perfect fit, um, yeah. but he was exciting to watch in his own right with the Bills. Dexter McCluster, not a name I thought to hear today. Um, but that's why I love doing the show with Dude, you, Dude, I can pull out the most mediocre of names. I don't know what it is. I think we just, uh, I, I think we've fallen into our trap of, uh, you know, we we like to make fun of Cubs fans who talk about Coy Hill and, and Paul Baco. And, <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like these lists kind of bring out that in us. I uh, agree. Number three for me, um, a guy who I resented only because he did nothing with the Colts um, as a first-round pick. But as soon as he got to Buffalo, he completely turned his career around and has been absolutely ecstatic to watch. Uh, Jerry Hughes. Uh, Jerry Hughes was talked about as one of the best best pass rushers in the in the in the league um, in 2011. He was actually, I believe, Bill Polian's last draft pick, who ended up being a, a bust for the Colts, which is why he got fired. Um, but Jerry Hughes has been a, a man on a mission in Buffalo. Um, in terms of the the people he's been surrounded by, he's been part of that pass rushing group that that defense. It's been really good for the Bills, and uh, and Jerry Hughes is a big part of that. So um, fun to see him succeed. I wish it would be with the uh, the blue and white of the Colts, but it is what it is. He's on the Bills, and I got to add him to the list. So uh, Jerry Hughes, number three for me, Frankie. Good pick. Good pick. Number three for me, uh, a guy you had already mentioned. Uh, really more in passing than anything, but this dude had a ton of talent. I think if you put him on a better team with a better quarterback, I, you'd probably be talking about him as one of the more premier wide receivers in the league. But Stevie Johnson, for me, was a dude who, uh, I mean, he could do it all. Route tree was great. Speed was great. Hands were awesome. But 
just like you said, I, I mean, the, some of these guys just didn't have anyone throwing it to them, and it, it, <laughs> it made it it made it very very tough. But uh, nonetheless, very fun to watch. He he was one of the few, uh, you know, growing up when when you watched Bills games that really made them watchable at times. You know, he was uh, yeah. He 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 stretched the field. He had that really funny uh, postseason, or I'm sorry, post presser. But I'll never forget it. Like I, I'm never gonna forget this moment when he dropped that touchdown pass. Right. Uh, that was great. So, uh, but no, number three for me, Steve Johnson. Uh, number two for me. Um, you know how much I love my big defensive lineman, a guy who just retired actually, uh, Kyle Williams. Uh, Kyle Williams is a fucking beast, man. Like yeah, he was just a man among boys on, on that defensive line. Um, yeah, I, there's not a whole lot you can really say. He was just a really solid player. Um, got sacks, could bust up any offensive line was a guy who really had to game plan around, um, or else he would disrupt anything you were trying to do, especially in the run game. So Kyle Williams for me, number two, Frankie. Yeah, no, good choice. I don't think we're going to have anything line up on this one at all. Um, for me, a guy, uh, very, very fun to watch his, his stats didn't, you know, weren't, weren't going to blow you out of the window, but, uh, steady running back. Nonetheless, Fred Jackson, he had one, I actually thought he had more than 1000 yard years. Looking at his stats, he hit 900 plenty of times. So he was just off a few times in his career. Um, but he was very fun to watch for them. I, um, I was expecting, like I said, I was expecting him to have better stats. Cause for whatever reason, I remembered him being a much better player in my mind than what his stats said. So I'm curious to see why why I felt that way. But nonetheless, I, I enjoyed watching him play. So he's number two on my list. Fred Jackson is number one on my list, Frank. Um, for I mean, the reasons that you state, he's just one of those guys where it's like, how did he not have 12 to 1,300-yard <laughs> seasons? Like, he he seemed so much better than, than his stats would indicate. And I feel like he's a perfect example of why stats don't tell the entire story. Um, you know, a lot of that was playing with the quarterbacks he was playing with, mm-hmm. the, with the offensive lines he was playing with, with the receivers he was playing with. He was just a very solid, very durable running back. Um, and, he, and he did have a couple of those years where he was looked like one of those elite type running backs, at least maybe top five in the league, um, regardless of what the stats said. Uh, you know, you, you can throw the yards out the window. He was a touchdown guy and he would mm-hmm. score. Um, when given the opportunity. So, yeah, absolutely. Number one for me, Bills, Fred Jackson, uh, number one in my heart, Frankie. We came close. We came close. Number one for me, uh, if you guys have been listening for, uh, I mean, really the last few episodes, I have an affinity for safeties. Uh, he really made his name here. Uh, great nickname, too, Dante, the, the Hitner Whitner. Mm. Uh, very, very fun player to watch. He's, he's one of those guys who is going to be forgotten in a couple of years, which is very sad because – he was really good, really, wherever he went. When he was on the free agent market a few years ago, I was really hoping the Bears went out and got him, but um, obviously did not. But, yeah, Dante Whitner for me, very, very fun to watch. Big hitter, not the best in coverage, but one of those guys that, you know, in certain sets could line up as the quote-unquote fourth linebacker, and those are the type of safeties that I really enjoy watching. All right, uh, so number one for me, Fred Jackson, Kyle Williams, Jerry Hughes, Lee Evans, and Ryan Fitzmagic. Uh, one to five for me, Dante Whitner, Fred Jackson, Stevie Johnson, CJ Spiller, and Tyrod Taylor. All right, Frank, your your torture is over. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump over to the Jets now. Now this was tough to make. Yeah, the the Jets um, was uh, was interesting for me to say the least. Um, I will let you go number. I, I will let you go first, um, and then we'll kind of go that way. Yep, number five for me is a dude who. Um, 
I'm really glad hasn't played well in Green Bay, but it's probably due <laughs> to injuries. But, you know, one of the more dominant forces on, on the interior uh, defensive line for his time, but Muhammad Wilkerson, uh, he was a vital part of those teams that were making it to the uh, AFC Championship game. Him, Bart Scott, I mean, the whole defense really carried them. They didn't have too much going for him on offense, but he was, in the same way that I looked at Derek Wolf for that Denver defense, yeah. he was that for them. I mean, he was just the guy that wasn't going to get the recognition because he wasn't loud. He didn't, you know, maybe the stats didn't jump off the page, but he made his impact known on games. Frankie, I am uh, I'm happy to say that our streak will continue uh, this week. Let's go. Uh, so uh, for those who maybe just be, this is your first Corked Up podcast episode, which would be very odd if it was, uh, but I'm not going to stop you Don't from listening. Don't shame them. Um, Every week so far for this top five favorite favorite list, me and Frank have had at least one player on a team listed in the same uh, number. So this week that trend continues with Muhammad Wilkerson at number five. Um, yeah, his was was one of those guys that that the Jets were kind of trying to build around with that other, you know, most of those defensive line guys. We'll get to them a little bit later, I'm sure. Um, but man, Muhammad Wilkerson, the length that he had, the ability to cause the force fumbles, like you just, you, you, you always felt like he was going to make a play no matter what, that he just had those arms and he could just wrap running backs up who are trying to hit the outside. He could get them when they're going on the inside. Um, he's a real do it, do it all guy. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Muhammad Wilkerson deserves to be on this list for Good sure. Stuff. Frank. Good stuff. Number four for me, um, he probably wasn't going to make my Bears list, but I remember, you know, coming off that Super Bowl year um, and being very upset that we traded him, especially for what we got for him. One of the more productive players on offense in my Bears lifetime, but my list will probably be dominated by defensive players. Um, Thomas Jones. And and actually, I was looking at his stats with the Jets and Jets. Like he just I didn't realize like I knew he was still playing well for them. But I mean, he 1300 yards, 1200 yards, 14. I was like, Jesus Christ, man, like. He did his thing in New York. And I, like I said, I remember watching him still when he went there. Very entertaining. You're talking about one of the more underrated backs, probably because he was seen as a bust with the Chiefs uh, before moving on to the Bears. And then he really picked up his career from there. But um, fun player, really, wherever he went. But uh, I knew he wasn't going to make my Bears list, and I wanted to have, uh, you know, get my boy some shine. So Thomas Jones running back number four for me. I will, uh, I will talk about him in a little bit here. Uh, number four for me is uh, Leonard Williams. Um, at big Afro along the defensive line. Um, <laughs> I, I love Leonard Williams game. Um, when he is motivated, um, that's kind of a big thing for him. Um, when he's on though, he is on and he's a disruptive force on that defensive line. Um, he will sack you. He will stuff the running back in the backfield. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of he's, he's one of those guys that you would absolutely love to have on your defensive line. And, uh, he's, he's just a ton of fun to watch. And, Defensive linemen in, in general aren't typically the most fun, especially interior guys, but he's just one of those guys that just catches your attention no matter what, where he's playing. So, yeah, Leonard Williams, number four for me, 100%. Absolutely. Number three for me, and I hate that he, he feels like he's a little bit low for me because I did really enjoy watching him play, uh, but Revis Island, I mean, you're talking about a guy wow. who, um, wow. you know, he was just a baller. He, he was one of the very first corners – that I like had a full appreciation for because I saw him as a rookie. I saw him do like when I was a kid, you had the Ty Laws, you had those type of dudes, but I was so young that I didn't get the full picture. I just knew that they were really good. But to see Darrell Re I mean, just shut down everybody. The only guy that I remember really giving him trouble was Randy Moss and he's yeah. Randy Moss. So it's like, 
what 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 exactly are you going to do there? But he was incredible. Uh, really good tackler. Um, you know, more of a wrap up kind of guy, which is probably why his career was uh, extended longer than quite a few uh, cornerbacks. But yeah, awesome guy to watch. They call, I mean, they gave him an island for a reason. You know what I mean? So uh, number three for me, Darrell Revis. All right, I'm a little surprised you. He's he's a little bit lower. I'm curious to see who who rounds up out your uh, your two and one, Frank. So uh, I'll continue here. Number three for me is Thomas Jones. Um, absolutely had to get him on the list. I knew he probably wasn't going to make the Bears one, so I definitely wanted to get him on the Jets uh, for sure. Um, but that might honestly be make more sense considering I think he was a better player on the Jets than he was with the yeah. Bears. Um, I mean, you, you talked about you talked about looking at his stats and. You didn't, I mean, you don't realize how good he really was in those couple, in those like, what, three or four years he was with the Jets. I mean, yeah. you know, 1,200 yards, the touchdown, everything. He was a real do-it-all back. And um, I think he was just, I, I really did miss him on the Bears because I, I felt like he was the best running back they've had. Um, you know, or I should say they did have um, – by far, and, and seeing him on the Jets was was a little disappointing. But yeah, Thomas Jones, no doubt about it, has to make the Jets list, Frankie. Yeah, absolutely. Number two for me, uh, just kind of riding the coattail with my affinity for safeties, a guy who I really, really wanted the Bears to draft, and he's already proven himself to be one of the best safeties in the league, uh, Jamal Adams. Not only do I love him on the field, I love him on Twitter, too. Like he, he His clapbacks are really, really funny, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing he can't do. He hits, he, he, he wraps up when he has to. Uh, he has a nose for the ball. I mean, him him and Eddie Jackson remind me a lot of each other. Um, love watching Jamal Adams play. I'm hoping he can continue to ride that momentum. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a uh, a 2019, like, closet Jets fan. I like Sam Darnold. I like <laughs> Jamal Adams. Like, I, I do want them to be solid. I, I mean, it, it'd be nice to, for the Patriots to have some fucking competition in that division. I think they're yeah, the best ones that could do it. Yeah, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great? But except for the fact that you have to look at those ugly-ass uniforms uniforms they're going to be wearing this year. Have you seen those things? I, I have, they're and they're bad. They're That's, really bad. And, and I mean, the Jets uniforms haven't really been great ever, but... Man, yeah, they, well, they're, they're, they're like trending towards creamsicle bad, though. That's yeah, the thing. Or the uh, Orange Bears jerseys. I, dude, I love uh, those jerseys. I don't know how... Number two for me, for I hate you. Jamal Adams. Look, Look at that. We got number two. Let's go. Jamal Adams. Absolutely making this list for me. Um, you know, it's interesting that you compare him to Eddie Jackson, where I feel like a better comparison, honestly, might be Derwin James, um, where it's Fair. really just a more all around complete safety where Eddie Jackson is really like more of a ball hawk at a yeah. type safety. Um, Jamal Adams will hit you, but he'll also make a play on the ball where you're just like, how the hell did he do that? Um, you know, I think he's one of those guys who can really turn a team culture around. We talked about that a little bit with the Bears. Um, he's just one of those guys with the personalities to kind of lead this defense. And um, he's he's just absolutely a star player. And I think he's going to be one for a very long time with the Jets. So, yeah, Jamal Adams, absolutely number two. Um, he was actually hope, who I was hoping the Bears would draft if they didn't draft a quarterback. And that's why, you know, the whole, the whole thing was get Jamal Adams number three and then get Patrick Mahomes in the second round. Um, that obviously yeah, didn't I happen. I remember that mock. Yeah. That was the plan, Frank. But, uh, but uh, I, I'm very happy to watch Jamal Adams uh, try and ruin Tom Brady's old broken dusted ass this year. So um, <laughs> yeah, Jamal Adams, number two. The Cubs are down eight to nothing in the third inning. Holy fuck. Um, number Number one for me, and I'm surprised he didn't make your list, uh, Curtis Martin. You, you know, you're talking about a uh, 
I mean, you start, I start to look back. A lot of these running backs are just, like, forgotten. Like, they're underrated yeah. dudes. And he was another one. Like, Curtis Martin is probably a top 20, top 15 back of all time. I mean, this dude just put up numbers year in and year out. Uh, the Jets were never winners, so that was kind of tough. But, like, just him as a player was incredible. Uh, another dude who I feel like fits this t- would fit today's era wonderfully because he could do it all. Um the he he him and Ladanian Tomlinson played very similar to me when I was younger, and the same way I, I never had a Curtis Martin jersey. I had a, uh, a LT jersey, but watching him play, it, they reminded me of the same damn player. Like there wasn't anything they couldn't do on the field. So uh, number one for me, Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin is one of those guys. I feel like Frank, your point where it's like if you say the name, people will be like, oh, Curtis yeah. Martin. I feel like a lot of it does have to do with the fact that he didn't win a whole lot with the Jets. Um, as a running back and, and a lot of it too, honestly, and it's, it's stupid that, that this is probably the case, but it's probably the same thing with Thomas Jones, where it's just like, their names are just so plain almost. It's, it's That's very true. easy to kind of forget like Ladanian Tom, you're, you're not going to forget Le'Veon <laughs> Bell, uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch. You're not going to forget those names, right? Curtis Martin. I mean, like it's very you know, bland. Like, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, very bland. No, Curtis Martin is a great player. I absolutely agree. He, um, he almost made my list, but I didn't want two Jets running back on my list. Frank, come on. Uh, number one for me is Darrell Rivas. Uh, the easily the first 100% shutdown cornerback I had ever seen in my life. Like, yep. put him on one side of the field, go to the other, go the other way. That's basically <laughs> what it was. He was a guy who would neutralize your best offensive player, except for obviously, as you mentioned, Randy Moss. Um, but man, it, it, it was in the era that I really hated the Jets because they kept beating the Colts. Um, and they're, they're <laughs> you heard that stupid Jets chant? Fuck the Jets! I I I'll always hate the Jets. Jesus, they're a New York team, Jackie. Frank. They're a New York team, Frank. I I I will never love a New York team. I refuse yeah, I to true. do it. I won't ever do it. I hate the Mets. Fuck the Yankees. Won't do it. I won't do it, Frank. And I won't. It. All right. Uh, but. With that said, like uh, Darrell Rivas was always a player I, I will always respect. He was just so damn good. Um, yeah, number one Jet of all time, Frank. Yeah, my number five, I had to debate between Bart Scott and Mo Wilkerson, and I think uh, just the dominance of Mo Wilkerson beat out the longevity of Bart Scott. Well, that, I mean, how much does one great soundbite really get you, you know? It got him pretty far for me. He's I mean, number it's six on really the damn good. It's a damn good quote. It's a damn good quote. But uh, just to round it out again, Darrell Rivas, Jamal, Jamal Adams, Thomas Jones, Muhammad Wilkerson, and then Leonard Williams for me. Uh, excuse me. Flip those. Leonard Williams and then Muhammad Wilkerson. Flip those two. Um, yep. And then, what, Frank, what'd you have? For me, uh, Curtis Martin, number one, Jamal Adams, two, Darrell Rivas, three, Thomas Jones, four, and Mo Wilkerson, five. All right. Perfect. So, uh, Frank, that that looks like it's it for us uh, on this week's edition of the Corked Up podcast, um, episode number 16. Uh, so we will be uh, next week. We'll have some Bears football to actually dissect, Frank. Yeah. The whole game um, of Tyler Bray throwing deep <sighs> bombs to Dax Raymond. It's going to be great. Uh, but yeah, we'll, is Daniel we'll, we'll Braverman still on the team? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, fucking right. Um, I can't we'll, wait. Uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely break that game down next week. We'll talk a little Cubs baseball once uh, some of these guys start to get healthy. We'll we'll kind of where they're at after getting um, looks like this game is pretty much over in the second inning. So we won't talk about that. 
Um, we'll kind of see where the White Sox are. Maybe they've made some interesting moves. Maybe Luis Robert has come up. Uh, fingers crossed on that one, Frank. I really, really want to see that happen. Um, hopefully sometime this year, but, um, have a lot of fun to do. And then of course we'll continue the bears breakdown. Uh, we will be doing the special teams next week. Uh, so long snapper, kicker, whole punter, all that good shit, all that stuff. I know you guys have been dying for us to talk about. Uh, We'll we'll be talking about some return stuff too. So that's a little more exciting than yeah. Return, kick, return, all that good stuff. Um, and then, uh, we will continue the top five next week is the beginning of the NFC. Finally start. We finished the AFC. They're done. I'll, I'll, all 16 teams are done in the AFC, starting the NFC and the NFC East. Uh, we will be starting with the uh, with the Cowboys and the Eagles. So those lists, Frank, should be a little more fun for us to yeah. do um, than these past couple weeks have been. So, uh, But thank you so much for joining us. Frank, as always, thank you for joining me. It's been a blast uh, here on the Corked Up Podcast. Um, I'm Jack Savio. He's Frank Nayers. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Frank, um, any, any last second thoughts? No, I mean, I'm excited for football. Guys, if you're listening and you've made it this far, just remember to subscribe and share to people who, uh, you know, like Chicago sports. More importantly, like we, we're going to talk more more specifically than Chicago sports. You can find us on really anywhere that um, podcasts can be streamed. I also run our own personal YouTube. So if you guys, you know, want to watch the video of it along with the audio, that'll be up there as well. And you might actually see uh, my, my dog if you guys check it oh, out. Oh, yeah. So, You'll be able yeah. to see the dog. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you guys for listening. We do appreciate it. Frank, I will talk to you next week, man. Absolutely. Later. Later.